0: Hi, Emerald listeners. Welcome back to another episode of How It's Reported. Today, we're here with Cole and Joanna, who uh, wrote the Week 11 cover story. How are you guys doing today during finals
1: week? Hey, we're doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having us. Of course. Happy to have you.
2: Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Just finished all my finals, so I'm oh, feeling pretty good about so that. That's so nice.
0: Yeah, I finished my last final paper last night at like 2 in the morning, so I'm a little tired, but... Congrats. But yeah, so after reading this cover story, I think it was super interesting and a little different than what we usually do at the Emerald, because it was a lot, it was really focused on the environment and just environmental journalism, which I think is super interesting. Um, How did you guys find out
1: about the story? Let's start with you, Joanna. So the way I found out about this story is just um, because actually our editor, jack sent us the idea and he said hey this just happened in the community i think it would be super cool for you guys to cover it and maybe start looking into contracts that the university has with this company and that's what led us to talking to the student environmental groups on campus
0: yeah um and so what i thought was interesting about the story is that it was divided kind of between you know the eugene city council and their relationship with the natural gas organization, and then also just UVO's connection with the natural gas organization. So, um, is there a specific way you guys divided the work?
2: Yeah, so the three main topics of the story were the actual contract agreement with the city of Eugene, there was the university's use of natural gas, and then there was the student activist portion. And so it was kind of these three sections that at first seemed a little bit hard to connect. Um, so what we did is, um, so I started out by mostly trying to figure out how the university plays into it, um, how the university uses natural gas, where they get their natural gas from, what that process looks like, how or if the contract agreement actually affects the university's buying of natural gas. Um, so that was my primary, primary focus, um, and then Joanna sort of took on the uh activism side the uo students and what they had to say about it and we both kind of worked on just laying out the uh, city's agreement itself
0: yeah so when it comes to kind of just going off dividing your work again what what kind of interviews took place who interviewed who and did you guys go to the city council meeting and sit on in the meeting or or what what how did that take place
1: So we did not go to the actual city council meeting where this decision took place. We found out about it after the fact. um, And however, we did look over the contract that they could not agree on that the city and the gas company could not agree on. So we looked at those meeting materials. We looked at the contract. We had to teach ourselves about the issue a lot because Natural gas was not something either of us were very familiar with when we started this story. So we both had a lot of learning to do about this complex climate issue, and that's what I love about journalism in general. Also, it's just that I feel like I learned so much from each story, and now this is something that we both know about and can use in our portfolio as environmental piece. Yeah, I was actually going to ask. So, is environmental journalism something
0: that you guys have been, you know, kind of your beat or anything, or is this kind of a new thing for both of you?
2: Yeah, so it technically my beat at the Emerald is sort of environment and science issues. So, I I had covered um some environmental issues like student activism and stuff like that a little bit before, but this was definitely sort of the deepest dive I've I've sort of taken into the issue and like Joanna said like I I didn't know anything about natural gas or you know what it was even used for or you know I'd never heard of this contract agreement with the city before Jack sent us that article so yeah it was really interesting to just sort of dive into this new subject that I'd never heard about before and just really learn about it and now yeah I feel like going forward um, if I ever need to do a story relating to anything like this again which I'm sure I will I'll have a better uh, background of knowledge to sort of start with.
0: You said that you had to learn a lot about what natural gas was. How did you learn about it? And then how did you find a way to kind of transfer your knowledge into a quick sentence or two about natural gas that was super digestible and easily understandable for the people who are reading the article?
2: Um, yeah, so I mean, it just took about you know a couple hours of just doing some reading online about um just what natural gas was it's it's a fossil fuel it's similar to like petroleum and and coal um and the the main difference is just that um it's it's formed in a different way it's composed uh, primarily of methane and um it's used mainly for heating and it's there's some other things that it's used for but in like most uh standard households uh the major source of natural gas is going to be through gas stoves that people use and so once I learned that, um, I it was pretty easy to sort of uh, break that down into, into simple terms just, you know, once I had a very uh, basic understanding of what it was. And, you know, I think it kind of helped that going in I didn't know a whole lot about it because, like, I didn't have this super big technical background of knowledge. So it was a lot easier to translate the knowledge into something that the average person could understand.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I think if you become too... Um, knowledgeable about a certain subject, it can kind of be easy to, you know, kind of dilute the bottom line. So I think that's an interesting perspective that you guys kind of, you know, went into the story with um, not too much knowledge beforehand.
1: Yeah, so just something I wanted to add to that, Cole and I met a couple of times in person to go over this story together and something we did that I think helped make it readable to everyone is we went line by line and said okay would we understand what this meant like what is parts per million what is carbon neutrality these were terms that we didn't really fully grasp and so we were able to talk with each other and say if we don't understand it neither will most of our readers yeah that's
0: I mean you guys did a great job kind of going back to a question I asked previously I just kind of want to hear about the timeline of your guys' story so Started off, you didn't go to the city council meeting, um, but then you guys started interviewing people. Can Joanna, can you kind of talk about your end? I'm sure that the U of O has a huge, you know, a lot of sustainability clubs and organizations because, you know, Eugene, I think we're known for, you know, trying to stay pretty green, especially in the UO community. So can you kind of talk about your experience with working and interviewing these kinds of people?
1: Sure. So this story started off as just a regular anchor story, and for those who don't know what that is, um, it's just, it's not the front page of the paper, but it's just a regular story inside the paper, or just one that we would be posting online, but once Cole and I started getting into the reporting process, we found ourselves finding out more and more from each person we talked to, and each subject would lead us to three other subjects, and so we brought the idea to our editors that, this might make a good cover story just because it's so much information for a regular anchor story. And they said, go for it. So we're really grateful to them for letting us take this story into something bigger than it was meant to be. But on my end with the interviews, so as Cole mentioned, I mainly talked to the student activists. I talked to the Student Sustainability Network chair and the, one of the directors of the Climate Justice League at UO. And I think my interviews were very different from Cole's because I was mainly talking to students and he was mainly talking to people who did this for a living. So we had some different perspectives there in those interviews.
0: Yeah. So talk to me specifically about yours. So you kind of talked about who you who you talked to, but what, what kind of conversations came up? What What was like the underlying message that you, you know, found when you talked to these people about our relationship with the the natural gas company?
1: Mm -hmm. So both students that I talked to, which was Abby and Courtney from the university, they made it pretty clear that while we are heading in the right direction with our university climate action plan and... Uh, the UL Foundation's promise to divest from fossil fuels, they really want to focus on binding them to that promise to divest from fossil fuels and also to increase transparency with those organizations to make sure that they're not investing in uh, fossil fuels. So, that was the sense I got from them was that they thought we were moving in the right direction, but it almost wasn't enough still. Like, we should be moving in that direction even quicker than we are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Cole, can you kind of follow up with your your perspective of the people that you were interviewing? Because as Joanna said, I'm sure it was a very different experience because these are the these people's careers.
2: Yeah, so I talked to... Um... A couple people from the Utilities and Energy Department at the UO who like you said it's their job to deal with this stuff to like buy the fuel that the University uses to power the campus and then I also talked to um, the head of the Sustainability Department a little bit about the University's Climate Action Plan and how that fits into all this Um, and yeah it was uh, it was probably I'm I'm sure it was very different from Joanna's interviews just mainly because um, I was trying to get just the pure facts of, um, like, so where does the university's gas come from? How does the university's heating system work? Like, what are some projects going on right now to increase uh, efficiency? And how does it relate to the climate action plan? So as opposed to just hearing, like, demands from activists about, you know, where they want to see the university go, this was more like, what is happening right now? And how is that different from, you know, maybe what the activists are demanding so yeah, just just a lot of like numbers and technicalities, um, and yeah, some some of them were a little bit hard to digest because um, like you said, like they're professionals, is their career, so they they speak in sort of like jargony terms, like they use a lot of words that I didn't really understand, so I had to ask for a lot of clarification. Um, yeah.
0: So we were kind of talking about how you guys sat down for the editing process and read it line by line to make sure that it was understandable but can you guys talk about what the editing process was like in more detail so um how did you decide what order to put it in and um how did you decide to break it up
2: um yeah so the editing process kind of lasted throughout our entire writing process to be honest because we um how we started writing is we just kind of started throwing stuff out there like stuff whatever we would learn that seemed that it might be important to the story like we would just sort of start writing about it we had an outline but the outline that we had included way more topics and information than would fit into 1500 words so um the the editing process was mostly just looking through all these paragraphs and all these facts that we just thrown out into this document and saying, okay is this important? Does this connect to the other things in the story? How does this relate? And if we couldn't answer those questions, then we just cut it. Um, there were a few, like, I, I conducted a couple interviews that actually just didn't even make it into the story, not because they weren't important, but just because um, the, the word count limit and, you know, just trying really hard to focus in on what do we want this actual story to be about. And then in terms of organization, yeah, like, Joanna mostly um, was the one who organized it into the sections, and that was really helpful because that allowed us to sort of, you know, work on one thing at a time without feeling super overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, and do you have anything to add to that, Joanna?
1: Yeah, so Cole explained it pretty well, but we really just went through and said, we wrote down, like, what we would be talking about in each graph, and then you know, we would say, Cole, Joanna, Cole, Joanna. So we made that outline and then went home and on our own time, just, it was really choppy at first, just wrote those sections individually that were assigned to us. And then we met up again, worked on transitions, worked on uh, the subheads and how to just make everything flow. And so it took a couple of meetings and then Also, of course, through the help of the editors and the whole copy desk, um, that's a whole new bunch of sets of eyes on it. So that was also very helpful once they started telling us what they didn't understand and what we should add and clarify and things like that.
0: Yeah, I definitely think working with like a big team is super helpful because you can kind of get in your own head and your own space and Mm -hmm. not necessarily, it does feel like what is the phrase, killing your darlings or something where you have to kind of cut things that you really like about your story, but it's just to make it more easy to read and understandable. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I I love hearing about like different journalists editing processes because I've realized that they're so different from each other. Okay. So I wanted to talk to you guys about what you learned or what surprised you when writing the story after writing the story, reflecting on it. So Cole, what's, what's something you learned or something that was surprising about the story to you?
2: What was really surprising is um, just what comes to mind is how hard the university is actually trying to work to um, be more sustainable. Um, I knew there was a such thing as a climate action plan before working on it, but I didn't know anything about it. And you know whether or not the projects that are mentioned on it actually get completed and you know, there's a whole bureaucracy around anything that the university does, right? But the people who work in these departments and who, you know, actually conduct these projects, um, I could tell when I was talking to them, like, they actually are really passionate, like, they do really care about, you know, reducing the university's environmental impact. Um, And so I think that That's one of the main things that stood out for me is just that that there are actually people at the university who really do care about this stuff.
1: Something I was really shocked to see was just how long-term these plans really are. In the city of Eugene's Climate Action Plan, they have a goal listed for 2100. And that is just... Very, very long term. They're planning for a time when none of us are going to be alive. They're really planning for the next two and three generations, which I thought was super cool. And the university climate action plan, those, I was talking to the student activist involved with that. She said all of the big plans they have for the university's climate action plan, these take 20 to 30 years for anything to be fully completed and fully implemented with the full impact. So I was really impressed with just how forward thinking these environmentalists are. And I have a lot of respect for people who can think that far into the future when it's really not going to affect our lives all that much.
2: Yeah. So just going off of that a little bit, this whole concept of carbon neutrality, which is pretty much you're not emitting like any emissions into the atmosphere, either that or the amount that you put into the atmosphere equals the amount that you take out of the atmosphere um, that you could write an entire, you know, story just on that concept. Mm-hmm. And there's this term is like thrown around in the Eugene climate action plan. But um, what was interesting for me to learn is that this, there was actually a set goal for that in the university's climate action plan. When it first came out in 2010, it was like, I don't remember what the actual date was, but it was by this date, the entire campus is going to be carbon neutral. But then a few years later, they looked at that again. They're like, okay, that's, this is actually impossible to tell when carbon neutrality will actually be possible. So we're going to need to push this date way into the future or not even set a date for when we want to achieve this just because of how large of a project that's going to be. So yeah, like that like Joanna was saying, goes to show like how long-term this stuff actually is.
0: Yeah, that's surprising, but it makes sense because we do have to be thinking about the future when it comes to our climate. And I think people have kind of a a tendency to just think about their generation or their children's generation, which won't solve the problem if you're only thinking short-term. So yeah, that's super interesting to know. And that's 2100. Is that what you said, Joanna? That's crazy. That's that's very far in advance. Okay. So, um, but kind of one of the last questions I want to ask is why should people read this story? Um, let's start with you, Joanna.
1: Well, I think people should read this story, um, especially if they're living in Eugene or they're part of the UO community, because while it's not on the forefront of our minds, this impacts us so much. Natural gas, is how our, right now, how our buildings are heated, how everything kind of keeps working on campus is through these um, thermal systems. And so I think it's important to be in the know of how we're fueling those systems and whether that is the smart move for the environment or not. And so Well, to some people it may seem like a boring topic, I found myself very interested in the topic once I was learning about it and reporting on it and trying to make it accessible for all kinds of readers.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, anybody can benefit from reading reading the story, you know, from what Joanna said, but I think especially people who care about the environment and who are environmentalists, um, people who want to actually affect positive change when it comes to these issues because... I think our story does a pretty good job of laying out just how complex of a project thing or how complex projects like these can be, like how difficult it actually is for large organizations like universities or even cities to completely divest from fossil fuels. And I think if people who really care about, you know, helping that process further along, um, I think it's important for them to read this just to understand that you know, even though it's not something that might be able to happen overnight, it's still something that's worth fighting for and, you know, worth putting energy into.
0: Absolutely. But yeah, So, well,
1: that's kind of all I wanted to talk to you. But does, does anybody have anything to add? Uh, Just thank you so much for all of our sources we talked to for having patience with us. We really did not understand anything. We were asking them to explain it to us from the very, very basics. So I guess just thanks to everyone who helped us for their patience. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. Well, where can we find you guys? Are you guys on Twitter or do you guys accept news tips? What's the deal with you guys?
1: Yeah, so I I am on Twitter. I think my Twitter handle is at Joanna Mann underscore. And also um, my website, joannaman.com. Oh, she has a website. Throwing it out there just in case. I don't know. That's
0: awesome. No, that's great. And it looks like Cole got dropped off this call because of bad connection. But his Twitter is at at colers928, which is C-O-L-E-R-S 928. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. It's been great talking to you guys. I know it's kind of a rough time to be doing anything besides finals so thanks for joining me yeah thank you for highlighting our story and thank you ml listeners for listening to another episode of how it's reported and we'll be back after spring break have a good time and be safe bye-bye